You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the Hear me 76, bringing us in to episode number 100 of Straight to the Point. My name is Chris. Here are my guy, J-Dub. Let's get it. 100 episodes. You, who'd have thought it? Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? We started episode one way back when, sneaking on the Temple's campus to, to record, and now look at us recording from undisclosed locations throughout the United States of America. It's glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. I know Jared's glad to be here. We're talking NBA, ooh, NBA playoffs. <laughs> First round, we're going to go through series by series, talk about some of the things that we noticed, some some news, some notes, what's going on, was previewing the Eastern Eastern and Western Conference semifinals and the NFL draft. I know you want to talk, Jerry, I know you're excited about the draft. A lot of teams made some great moves. Uh, but, Jared, let's start with the big picture, with the big story. That's the playoffs in the NBA. Jared, where do you want to start, the East or the West? Uh, let's start with the West because that's that's the most exciting right now. Let's, let's start. start let's start with the West and go series by series, Jared. You know the one eight matchup that a lot of people really thought was going to be a sweep or you know in five turned out to be a very competitive series. Phoenix and New Orleans, Jared. Let's kind of recap what's going on here and talk about what you saw in this series. I saw a Suns team that can still win games without Chris Paul, but the Pelicans look good. Like, if they had Zion, this might have been a totally different series. Without Devin Booker, you mean? Without Devin Booker, thank you. Without Devin Booker. But without the Pelicans without Zion could be, with Zion could be a very sneaky team because they played, like, the CJ McCollum trade was a little bit underrated because we didn't know what he was going to bring to the table. He still had a wishy-washy playoffs as he normally does, but him freeing up space for Brandon Ingram allowed Brandon Ingram to really flourish as a superstar in the series. Guy was putting up multiple 30-point games. Putting, he was playing his heart out. CJ McCollum was averaging around six and a half, seven assists per game. And it was really just allowing Brandon Ingram to like shine in the role of just being a number one scorer without having to worry about trying to also facilitate, which is great. So if Zion was there, this might have been a totally different series. But you get the Suns team. That Suns team is deep. And, it, it, and when I talk about deep, I'm talking about just like how they have guys that can just come in and be an immediate impact. As soon as Devin Booker went down, Cam Johnson just stepped up. He knew what he had to do. He knew his role. Um, Cameron Payne still needs to find himself in this playoffs. I haven't seen Cameron Payne before when Chris Paul was down, but he needs to come into his own a little bit more. Landry Sham is there. You like the fact that they can DeAndre Ayton is able to just go into the number two role seamlessly. So you look when you look around and see, all right, this series is going to go back and forth as soon as Devin Booker down because that first game kind of sucked. We all thought it was like, oh man, this Suns is going to really boil them out of the water, but his injury really hampered them. Chris Paul, like he was a uh, went back to his old PG ways. Like, he went back to his old. You know, New Orleans, Los Angeles Clippers days where, you know, you could just get to a bucket and still be a facilitating point guard. But it, it was where you're looking at him like, all right, Chris Paul can still lead a team a couple of games. He can't do it a full season. He can't do it an entire series. But a couple of games, as long as he can just hold his own. And he did that greatly. I think it was game six where he went 14 for 14 from the field goal. Didn't miss a single shot. And he had Not eight a single assists. shot. Like, 
that's huge. Like that's you know, that's that's unprecedented in the playoffs. You don't see things like that. And he was taking very good shots. Like some were threes, some were just his usual typical contested mid range, and then a couple were floaters and a layup here and there. But he that's phenomenal work. So to Definitely. see that in that series, I'm like, oh man. And the people say, all right, it was against the Pelicans, but the Pelicans were holding their own. So it's like Chris Paul had to really step up his game, and he did just that. So now when they go into this next series against the Mavs, they're going to need their full team. I think that this series proved that. A, Willie Green is a great coach because he was able to counterpunch the, the attack of Monty Williams. Monty Williams had to adjust, obviously, with um, losing Devin Booker. Devin Booker was originally supposed to be out two weeks, came back in, in what, five days? Yeah. So um, when you look at that, you, you know, you kind of, you know, people don't really talk about the toughness of Devin Booker. I think we have to acknowledge that. I think we have to acknowledge that the Suns, even without, Devin Booker could still roll with the punches, was still able to, to capitalize, and that's what championship teams do. You know, when team when a when a player gets hurt, whether how whether how important he is to that team, to that rotation, to that to that, you know, being a playmaker, a scorer, like Booker is, you know, a team has to adjust. And like all those guys you mentioned stepped up. Um, one thing I did I do want to mention is, you know, we kind of didn't know what New Orleans was going to be after the CJ McCollum trade. You mentioned that. But you add Zion to that mix. Uh, I think I think if Zion was there, you kind of neutralize Aiton a little bit more um, because Aiton is not the best rebounder. He's not the best banger. You know, he's he he can play finesse at times. Uh, not in I guess not intentionally. Like he is a post player for the most part. But when it comes to getting those those offensive rebounds, rebounds in general. You know, if you put another big body in there, it's harder for him to kind of get there. You see what I'm saying? Like he only got, I think he got above ten boards only one time in this series. Um, you know, you're going to need more from Aiton in a in a in the aspect of that rebounding, playing defense. Uh, that's what I, I and I know they have Javale McGee. I know they have Bismack Biombo. So it's not all on Aiton, but if Aiton's going to get the majority of the minutes he's going to have to provide more in that aspect. But I think that New Orleans is definitely a team to look out for next year. Uh, one full year of McCollum, Ingram, Zion, if healthy, everyone is healthy, I think could be a very uh, interesting team in the West, for sure. Speaking of interesting teams in the West, Jared, we're going to the 2-7 matchup. Memphis, Minnesota. I know we talked a lot about Minnesota celebrating the playing game like they won a title, and <laughs> they had their chances this this series, to say the least. Jared, talk to me about what you saw in, in that matchup. I saw a team that was better lose the series. Let's, let's be honest. The Minnesota team rolls looked better than the Grizzlies throughout most of the game, and then when it came down to it, they just couldn't get it done. You um, look at what the Memphis Grizzlies were going through when it comes to the fact that the defensive schemes of the Minnesota Timberwolves was really holding Ja down in the scoring aspect. He was getting his rebounds, he was passing the ball well, but when it comes to just like how he was normally and typically would score, they were shutting down that paint and forcing him to really shoot a couple more jumpers and have to do a lot more kickouts. You were seeing guys like Dylan Brooks have to step out. You saw dudes like Jaron Jackson had to shoot more threes than he's accustomed to because, of course, we know that jump shot is not the best jump shot we've ever seen. Hey, it was effective, though. It was effective. So Tim, the Timberwolves did what they were supposed to do, and as the stretches got big, they were talking their trash and blowing leads. Like, I, I, I've seen some blowing leads. I, I, I am a fandom of a team that t- tendencies to blow leads, but 
this, the way that they were blowing in this game, especially in, I believe, what it was, game two or three, Chris, where no timeout was called, that's just, you can't let that, you can't have that happen. The Timberwolves were, it was a lot of hot smoke and then not, and then just a lot of fizzling out, especially as in the, in the fourth quarter, we mentioned there could be, I think, in almost four of these games, they were up 10 going into the fourth, maybe with at least seven minutes left to go. And they're blowing that lead. And I, I, again, this isn't a, a knock against the fact that the Grizzlies are a competitive, competitive team. They have good players. It's the fact that when you have these type of leads and you can see that there's a little demoralization that was going on with the Grizzlies. They were looking like they were down a little bit. And then it was that one play that would just like flip the whole thing around. That's the Grizzlies team. And then they were just going for runs. And we weren't seeing any timeouts from the Timberwolves side. We weren't seeing any way to stop the punches that were given to them. So it's a lot of credit to the Grizzlies. I, I hope they play better because I think the way they played against the Timberwolves will not cut against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. This isn't a knock against the Grizzlies. This is just how good the Warriors are as a basketball team right now. They look phenomenal. So I think they're going to have to really step up. But, man, that was a great series. When you talk about a team like Memphis, right, they have these – they get down, but they're never out of it. Uh, just like you said, John did not really do a lot scoring-wise, but he was able to contribute and assist playmaking for others, uh, someone that you didn't mention that stepped up huge, especially in game six, Dylan, uh, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, definitely was was doing their thing. Uh, Memphis is a weird team because they're, you, if you look at them, they're not really great at any one thing, but they're good at a lot of different things, you know. Uh, they, have, they have good players, like, like I said, Bain, Brooks, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jaws obviously the best player, but they have Tyus Jones. Like they have a lot of good pieces. You know what I'm saying? A, a good, a lot of good solid pieces. But Jaws obviously the piece. You know, uh, the Minis- the the Minnesota team. <laughs> this is kind of a weird comparison. They remind me a lot of them, like of the Clippers, like the old Clippers. You know, where they would be up and everything is good. They're real. They're real front front runners. I guess you could say, you know what I'm saying? Like, when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it's real bad. And I think a lot of that is, like, the, the personality of the team and the players on that team, you know? Like, D'Angelo Russell, whenever it's good. Like, I, I picture D'Angelo Russell, him on the bench with the Nets. You know, they're dancing. You know, you kind of picture that. Carl Anthony Towns, he's talking. He's he's barking, but he's not, you know, he's he's barking up 30, and then they lose. Pat Bev, no explanation needed. So, you know, <laughs> you got to lie to these guys on this team where it's like, it's great, but they don't have that calming force, you know. And Edwards definitely played phenomenally, especially in game six, but everyone else didn't really play great. D'Angelo Russell did not have a great series shooting-wise, could not put the ball in the hole, uh, was, was passing very well, but – you know, Carl Anthony Towns taking terrible shots, you know, bad shot selection from the greatest shooting big of all time, supposedly. Uh, 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 I don't I didn't really like, I, you know. I, and me personally, I was rooting on Minnesota's downfall because they talked real heavy, real heavy, and did nothing. Blew three leads. In games three, five, and six, they were up 10, like you said, Jerry, going into the fourth quarter. Blew a 25-point lead twice in one game. It's, it's impossible. 
And and I like Chris Fitch as the head coach. I like Taylor Jenkins as well. You can put them right with Willie Green. I think they're the, the next effort, the next echelon of great coaches in the NBA. But that's a bad look for that Minnesota team. And I don't know what I don't know what kind of they need to kind of you know make them make a step forward, Jared. Like, I think they're poor. I think they overperformed this year. Like I don't think they're as I don't think they're as good as they were. I, again, this this comes from like there's a little bit of a difference where now if Zion was in the Pelicans, where would these Zion was there? What would the records be for the Pelicans? If both Paul George and Kawhi played the season, where would the Clippers be? Like I think that yes, the Timberwolves record showcases that there were injuries in the West that hampered them. Again, look at the Nuggets with Jamal Murray and. Uh, Michael Port Jr. There, or not, not even Michael Port Jr. Because I don't know really know what's going on with the back injury because he was there to begin the season. Oh, don't worry, we'll talk about back injuries. If don't worry. Jamal Murray was there though, where would this Nuggets team be? But I'm looking at it. Whereas you talk about what can the Timberwolves do? They really need to eye in on what they can do with D'Angelo Russell. Where does he really fit with this team? I, I, yeah, exactly. Moving exactly. forward, because it's hard to really find a role for him when he's not that great defensively. He's a good facilitator, but is he really more of a, a dynamic scorer that can facilitate a little bit, or is he just a playmaker that you need him to score the ball for? Because right. that's where you kind of find the niche in this game, especially in this series where it was hard for him to do certain things because it's like the jump shot wasn't falling. He can't really attack the basket because there wasn't any space for him to attack because you always have Edwards slashing. Towns is kind of fading out to the three, but Vanderbilt's there because Vanderbilt can't be anywhere else around the court. Pat Bev's kind of there. So it's a lot going on where I'm seeing a lot of bad shots from um, Deandre Russell, too, where there was, like, one in, the I believe, game three closing down the stretch where he just shot a doinker off the left side of the backboard. Didn't even hit like, it. Just, it was just bad. And that, that just goes to playoff experience, shot shot awareness, you know, I basketball IQ that you develop in the playoffs. But this is yeah, what – I, I believe this is only a second playoff series. So who, maybe that develops, Yeah, I think this is only a second ever playoff. I'm about to say, I know he, he went with Brooklyn. And then um, he got traded mid-Warriors. And the Warriors didn't even make it anyway the year he was on okay. the Warriors. So. But, here, but here's the thing. He is the veteran on that team. Him and Cat are the veterans on this team. Him, Cat, Pat, Beth. Where is the veteran leadership? Like, where is the – they never – Yeah, and it's, it's coming from Pat Bev at this point, but that's not really – That's no the offense, guy, Pat, Pat Bev is my guy, but that's not saying a lot. Really. I, I, I like Pat Bev. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm – That's I, – Ryan, I that's the, a dog. I want the Sixers to go get Pat Bev. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah. – But – that's not that's not your starting point guard. That's no. not your uh, Chris Paul, your Steve Nash, your you know James Harden. That's not the guy. That that guy is play you know has a specific role on the on the team. Now, if he's going to be that veteran presence, he needs to go and calm these guys down. A lot of times they're so frantic, and I think even with Carl Anthony Towns, like dude, you come out here and you talk real heavy. You say that you're the greatest shooting big man of all time. And, you know, I heard that and was like, hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Did Dirk Nowitzki never exist? But then he comes out here and does, you know, diddly-poo. And I don't understand this. Like, you talk real heavy. You open yourself up for a lot of this conjecture. And, uh, you know, he, he fouls on every. Every play he's following somebody, he's elbowing somebody, he's trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's doing too much. He needs someone to calm him all the way down. Like, dude, relax. I think he's 
he's doing too much. He gets uh, it's kind of like a pitcher in baseball. Whenever he, you get a hit off of him, or his stuff is not there, his curveball isn't curving, his breaking, you know, his his fastball isn't all the way one hundred percent. He's frantic. He's rushing. He's he's not doing things that he normally does. He, he's a, he's he's easily able to be taken out his element, and I think that's what a lot of Minnesota did. Um, Minnesota did. You know, they 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 were not steady and up ten with. You know, three times, four times, five times in this series, they lost. They lost four games, Jared. In all four of those games, they had a double-digit lead. That comes down to coaching at a certain. That like that comes down to coaching. So Chris Finch is going to have to definitely reevaluate what works, what doesn't. But I think you have a good point. They have to move one. They have to move Dino. Like yeah, because I don't think you let Towns walk after, if he's if he decides to sign an extension. No, 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 no. Honestly, that's your best like, player in the franchise. Like you, you, huh? If he continues to play the way he's playing and he stays like longevity wise, he'll probably pass um, Kevin Garnett in certain aspects of just being all around talented for that team. Because the way he spaces the floor is fine. He's way more aggressive now. But I thought, you, thought you were going to say he's he's a better all time player than Kevin Garnett. No, 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 no. I'm just saying for that franchise, he could he could potentially be there. Greatest franchise player. If he continues to play the way he does, and I mean, is actually winning basketball, uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, because that was one of the downfalls. KG won, won the MVP. Yeah, that is true. But he, the he league's did. different now. It's but hard. you gotta think. But you, right, the league is different. But like, comparison, just just off of a tangent here, comparison, comparing Towns and Garnett. Garnett was never Garnett's competition as far as like big oh, yeah. men in the league. Totally different. You had Duncan. You had Dirk. You had Shaq. You had. Uh, morning, yeah, Lonzo. You you had Yao Ming, you had a lot of different guys, you know what I'm saying? Towns' biggest competition is Towns, like, yeah, and B, you know, whatever, and B is in his head, but like, he is a he is a great shooter, like, Towns is a great shooter, Mm -hmm. but whenever, like, whenever the lights are the brightest, he just kind of like. Yeah, he looks lost. He looks lost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know you're ready to move on. So we're just probably gonna end it with the fact. Oh no, 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 no! I'm always ready to slander Minnesota. Don't worry, we can stay here as long as we. (laughs) No, I just know that if we really talk about it, 18 and 10 and four in a closing game in 41 minutes, that's not enough. Not enough. That's the call of the towns I remember from Kentucky. The guy that didn't show up. The guy that let the Bowman get too big. He talked this talk, but just couldn't walk the walk. He talked this talk, and then. Like he's coming off the court and he's crying and he's kissing the crowd. And yeah, I didn't. I didn't appreciate that. Like that was a Kobe moment that you do when you win. Not, not even, not even a Kobe moment. That's like a you taking a bow for you ain't do nothing. Another first round exit. Another first round exit. I know you haven't been oh, to the playoffs can, in like three years. But congratulations, we made it to the playoffs and we lost. Like I, I, if, I know I don't, I don't know if I, I haven't seen him get slandered as much, but let's be honest. If Embiid did something like that. Tortured, massacred throughout the media. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about Embiid in a second too. So moving on to Golden State, Denver, and some people's MVPs got smacked in the first round. Jared, Jared, tell me why some people's stat padding, stat hero, Vorp Raptor, LeBron hero, Nikola Jokic managed one game. One in the first one in the first round. Well, they were playing the Warriors, so let's just get that out of the way now. We one, you the yeah, MVP. I mean, you couldn't get two. 
not even no, they weren't getting two. They should even got one to be honest. The Warriors let that one slip away. Um, Jokic played his heart out. He, he played good. None of his guys showed up besides that one game. Like let's be honest, that team was abysmally bad. You go, you, you understand why Jokic is MVP worthy because you know advanced metrics, his uh advanced stats, analytics will showcase what he does for that team, win shares and stuff like that. But it's a repeat of last year, in my opinion. This is we're not about to get into a whole MVP job, but this is a repeat of last year. We knew what this team was going in. Injuries or not, Jokic could take them to a playoff seed. Injuries or not, Jokic can carry them to a six seed. Same record, almost identical as last year. Injuries or not, when it mattered in the playoffs, that team was going to perpetually lose and get destroyed. Did they avoid a sweep? Sure. They got generally swept. So, I mean, at least they could take some pride in that, that they got a game and they fought. But the Warriors look good. Let's just talk about the Warriors in this little conversation or this segment for us. The Warriors looked really good. And the best player on that team was it, – it's hard to say was not Steph Curry because it, Steph – off the bench was phenomenal. Plus 32 with 32 points off the bench. That's disgusting. But Jordan Poole, in my opinion, was the best player in that series. Jordan Poole showcased that he not only is he playoff ready, but he's ready to step into the mold of being the the newest splash brother, the newest star figure for the Warriors. I think they're now called PTSD because you have Clay, Poole, Draymond and Steph, like that's what they are now. That, that team has they're deep. You you watch that team and you get PTSD from that dynasty run. Yeah, like, they're oh deep. man, they're back. Like, oh man, it's it's really crazy. Just the fact that we're they we don't he's not talked about enough, but the villain in Draymond Green, his return on the defensive end and just the way he opens the court, it's there's levels. There's really levels. Like I know we used to compare him to Ben sorry, Ben Simmons to him, but there's I, 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 levels. I, I, we do not use that man's name on this show. Oh man, but there's levels to it. The way what Draymond does, how the way he defended Jokic, they would just aggravate and make him mad and just play great defense. Like that's gonna translate to this Memphis series. Mm-hmm. It's gonna translate to the fact that Draymond's not gonna be playing Jaron Jackson. No, no, no. Draymond's gonna be a roamer. He's gonna be as one. He you're, when you talk about how you have like the um, will linebackers or those box safety, they just roam around the field a little bit. And they're going to do that. That's what Draymond's going to be. He's going to be on John Moran. He's going to be switching on Desmond Bing. He's going to be in his their little zone from time to time. He'll be on Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson ever wants to step into the paint. But if Jaron Jackson's shooting them threes, well, Draymond's probably going to win them because them threes is ugly. No, again, this is I mean, different. But, but it, ugly. it works. It works the other way too because because. Memphis is probably saying the same thing about Draymond. Like, you Which is fun, but that's that's even right better ahead. for Draymond because there is no go right ahead. Draymond facilitates so well for them. Mm-hmm. I know, I know they're not to wear helmets the way he's been throwing the ball if they're his own teammates' faces, but that's just how fast he gets the ball to his hands as soon as he catches it to hit them for an open three. Like that, mm-hmm. like we're not noticing like a lot of people don't notice that, but he's getting the ball out within about a second of catching it. Because he automatically is seeing, oh, this is we're running this play. This is where Clay's or Steph is supposed to be. Oh, pulls a new hot hand. Oh, I'm throwing it to him immediately. Pull, you're cutting the wrong way. You're in the way of Steph. Move. Like that's just how it is now. That's that's a microcosm of what I've been saying this whole year about the Warriors. Is they're a veteran team who know who knows each other, who's played with each other. So you have that back in your hand that you know where guys are going to be at all times. We, we know where, you know, we know how things are supposed to play. We've seen things, we've experienced, but we also have this infusion of young talent, not just pool, right? Pool is, I mean, pool has been the splash you get, you know, this playoff run and, and as Steph and uh, Clay have been hurt, one of them been hurt, whatever, pools come in and, and filled adequately. But you also have like Juan Toscano Anderson. You also have, uh, like we mentioned, Jordan Poole, the return of Draymond. This, these are valuable pieces, you know what I'm saying? Nemanja Bielitsa, like, 
they got guys. And that's the thing that, that I think this Warrior team had been missing for the last couple of years. You know, obviously injuries, but they got guys. Remember we talked about when, whenever when they were making their run, 2015, 16, 17, 18, they had guys, Barbosa off the bench. Iguodala, who's, you know, Iguodala's hurt now, but Iguodala's still there. He's a presence. Um, Bogut. They had guys oh, around. Listen, David Lee off the bench. Right, they had guys around that core. And right now they have guys around this core that they aren't just they aren't just there. You know what I'm saying? They aren't just no. bumps on the love. They're actually contributing where they need to contribute. Bielitsa spreads the floor out and get a board, things like that. Him and Draymond can kind of facilitate energy off of each other. You know, that's what they said in practice. Like, Draymond tried to punk him, and Bielitsa wasn't having it. And Draymond's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, you got to have guys on this team that can contribute in different ways because we know where the offense is. It's Steph, like you said, off the yeah. bench plus 33. Ridiculous. But you got pool, you got clay, you got guys, like you got pieces. So hey, this this, this Memphis team is in trouble. They they can't go down 10. They cannot go down 10 to this oh, Golden yeah. State team because 10 turns into 30 real quick. I wish I could say this would be the best series of this uh semifinals, but I really think if the Warriors get away with it early, Chris, you know what I'm going. If they get away with it early, too low. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's a lot. It's night. It's lights out. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. The, that that hole you can't come back from. Like you got a veteran. You got a veteran team, and you give them a three-one lead. Two. It's a wrap. There's no. There's no blowing it. There's no. Rat. You give them two zero. I think so, it's a wrap. So, so, I think, so we'll we'll kind of we'll we'll touch on that in a second. But I think you know if I had to choose a team, you know, and I've been saying this all year. The Warriors, man. I they come out the West. You don't want to see them. I, I think they come out you the West. You don't want to see them. I don't care who they play in the conference finals because I, I, I know I think they're gonna win this Grizzlies series. I don't know in what yet. I haven't really. I think I'm saying six right now, just to be fair. But I, I, think, I, think, it's, I think it's five. I think yeah. Memphis. I think Memphis gets a game. That's it. I think Memphis gets a game. Oh man, that's but um this uh Suns and Mavs series, I think this is gonna be the biggest one. This is the, being the biggest tell for oh, me. No, 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 we didn't we didn't talk about Utah Dallas skipping ahead. Oh yeah, Utah Dallas. Goodbye, Jazz. It's a reconstruction. <laughs> you, no, no, for real. They call them the Utah, you know, Jazz without the J. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a reconstruction coming soon. Uh Quinn Snyder. I think he might be done coaching that team. I'm not going to lie to you. There's rumors that um, he didn't – not even rumors. It's, it's out and open that he didn't sign a contract extension with the Jazz. Yeah, I think they – I, I think, they think the writing's on the wall. I, yeah. I don't know. Now it's where it comes down to who are you choosing, Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert? I'm personally choosing Donovan Mitchell to build a team around. So the thing about Utah is I get both sides of the, of the, of the coin. Like you, you, this team as presently, presently constructed, Cannot win a playoff series. Cannot Which is crazy because they have players. They're deep. It's just they're, they're a fifty-one team. No they defense. Can't, they can't do anything. Nope. They can't. With you know there on the court, it's minus it all. Like, they're teams. good. Like they're good in during the regular season because a, a team you're not going to see. A t- you're not going to see the same team seven times. Nope. No adjustments can be made by those other teams. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you see this team seven times, you can exploit Gobert. Mitchell Mitchell can't play defense. Bogdanovich can't. Can't play defense. Conley can't move. <laughs> like you know, Royce O'Neal is, is is can't play offense. So you, I mean, he can hit some threes, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not a consistent threat. So you had this weird dynamic where they're a good team, but not good enough to make moves past anyone. You know what I'm saying? So 
but they can't blow it up because who the hell is coming to Utah? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like you can throw the bag at somebody and like, yo, come to Utah. Well, that's why no. you, you make the Gobert trade. You, you can get some people to but come what, in. But who? But, okay, so what team takes Gobert? The Mavericks. What do the Mavericks give up for Gobert? Brunson. That, that Utah Finney would Smith. want. Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith. So what? So now, but here's my problem. That doesn't, still, that doesn't solve Utah's problem. No, I but mean. Now you got more guards. Better defenders, though, but yeah, more guards. You got more. I mean, all right, Finney Smith. Because you got to move off of. They're probably going to try and move off of Bogdanovich. They're moving off of Rudy Gobert, potentially. Or, or if Donovan pulls a whole 180 and just says, you know what, I'm ready to go, then you got to build around Gobert and you have to keep Gobert. But it's, it's, it's that team's getting reconstructed. It's, there's not, there's no, there's if, no if, 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 there's I don't no. see it feasibly possible that they stay the same the team. I don't I'm talking so. about the two star players. They don't stay the same. I think one of them gets moved, obviously. Uh, I think you can get more from Mitchell. Yo, absolutely. And then uh, I would trade Mitchell. We're, we're discrediting the Mavs. The Mavs looked really good. Without, oh. with, with Luka and without Luka, I think, honestly, we're going to go ahead a little bit. I think the Mavs could potentially beat the Suns in the series. Mm-hmm. Luka looks good, but Jalen Brunson, former Villanova champion, is a star. That man's getting paid this offseason. He's going to get a bag. Okay. Oh, my goodness. He has stepped up the entire series. Mm-hmm. In addition to Spencer Dewey, it was huge for them. Uh, this is going to be now. This is going to be a little different now that uh, you're going to play uh, DeAndre Ayton instead of Rudy Gobert, who DeAndre Ayton can space the floor a little bit and he can guard guards a little bit better than Gobert can. But he can move. He can move. Yes. But uh, man, I have I I can see the Mavs coming out of the series in seven because that's how much I when I look at the way they play the game. It's a it's a slower paced game, which is kind of like a Chris Paul style. But Luka right now is a bet is is a much more equipped younger Chris Paul. He can score, he can pass, facilitate. Jalen Brunson, if he continues to score the way he's scoring, that kind of matches up a little bit with the rest of that team. And, man, they, they both have it when it comes to shooting and defense right now. Like, I didn't know the Mavs had this good of a defensive team, but they can do it. So, mm-hmm. I think right now it can go either way in seven. This is what I said. This could probably be the highlighted series of the West because it's just that where you look at what each team has. It depends on what Devin Booker you're getting with his hamstring. It, hopefully he doesn't re-aggravate the hamstring. Mm-hmm. So, but right now I'm gonna go Mavericks in seven. So here's the thing about Phoenix, and I think it's Phoenix in six, because you have a veteran in Chris Paul, you have um, Booker, you have these ability, you have this ability to um, exploit different things that Utah couldn't. But this is all predicated on Dallas hitting jump shots, and <laughs> you got guys. You know, Dallas is 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 a great defensive team, like you mentioned, but. Um, Dallas's whole offensive game is predicated on jump shots. So you have better perimeter defenders in Crowder, Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson. Devin Booker is, is a willing defender. He's not a great defender, but he's a willing defender. Chris Paul is an irritant. You know, Luka is prone to getting uh, not quite frazzled like, you know, like a Carl Anthony Towns, but he is, he's, he can, he'll react. You know what I'm saying? Like, Luca won't let things go. Luca will go back and forth with somebody. And like you said, he has 16, he had 16 technical fouls throughout the regular season. You know, that carries into the playoffs, you know? Uh, so he needs to be careful. I know Phoenix is definitely uh, aware of that. I'm not saying Chris Paul is a dirty player, but, you know, maybe he's going after ankles and knees and elbows and doing certain things that he probably shouldn't do. That he doesn't get called out on a lot. 
you know, just saying, not not really saying, but I'm just saying. So I think it's I think it comes down to coaching. Who's a better coach between uh, Kidd and Williams? Uh, I think it's going to be. I think Monty Williams is one. Of, you know, as a top three coach in the league right now. So I think I think it comes down to, to Phoenix and their ability to defend the jump shot of Dallas. Now if Dallas's jump shots are are flowing and they're hitting everything. Then obviously they're going to be a tough out because they have they have jump they have shooters. Okay, they got shooters, but I don't think consistently over a seven game series that those same jump shots, those same open threes they were getting versus Utah, they're going to get versus Phoenix. So I I would think that that uh, Phoenix would win that series, and uh, we've already mentioned that we think Golden State's going to win that that uh that mm-hmm. that series in round two. So let's pivot to the East. Jared, we're going to start with Miami and Atlanta. Yeah, let's get this. Let's let's move this out the way fast because that series we knew it was going to happen. We uh, Trey Young session. All uh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, but Trey Young got exposed in that series. Like terrible shooting percentages. Couldn't really find a basket because that heat defense we've known it all season. I mean, I mean, he did it in his last playoff series too, but they managed to win I, because I of- don't want to get into that because Hawks fans will probably slander us about the fact that we blew leads. Leads, Chris. That's got us there. Um, listen, listen. All, all, all three of y'all Hawk fans, how y'all doing? That heat bench is deep. Old Depot without Kyrie and Jimmy Butler won them a game. It's uh, it's nasty. What they been hiding? What they been hiding? Old Depot with this whole year? Oh man, he's been getting healthy. And then Max Strauss, Caleb Martin, Tyler Hero. It's, it's, it's Vincent. Even it's, it's deep. It's deep. And um, when I, I, when when do they break out? Old man, Yurt Seven. Yeah, I don't. It's it's crazy. And then the same the same goes where we could just skip ahead to the same series. Hold on, ain't Dwayne Detman also on that team? Yep, they got a nice backup big. Like they got players and it's deep. And yeah. um, we would skip ahead to this next series. That was another fried cook session, which is the Bucks and Bulls. Bulls just aren't prepared. It's lack of spacing, lack of shooting, lack of playmaking, it lack of it. defense. That ain't it. Without Chris Middleton, the the Bucks shot some of the highest three point percentage I've ever seen. Most threes they've ever shot in a th- in a playoff game, I believe. It's bad. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Zach Levine. He essentially, in his presser, kind of said goodbye, Chris. I, I mean, <laughs> he said, he, uh, uh, "It's been yeah, little." Kind of, I don't know if he kind of like it. It's, he's saying he's not coming back, but I know that throughout the season he never got the extension he wanted. Mm-hmm. The Bulls never offered it to him. Mm-hmm. That was a Buck series to win. Could oh, be a could be a situation where uh, you know Levine gets sent to Utah. They can make a switch for something like that. Like, or he gets sent out of maybe the mask. Like, I have a hard time finding players that could fit with Luka. Maybe Levine can, but that's here and there. I, I, think, I, I, think da- I think Dallas is where they – I think Dallas is cool. Like, I don't know. If I don't know. It, it's a lot of teams where I can see Levine going. Free agency is going to be great for him because he's going to get paid regardless. But there could be a team in South Philly that, you know, is very interested in, in Levine. A deal could get made potentially, but um, no, he, that, that series was bad. It was an eye-opener for a lot of people that just saw that the Bucs would still do it. Without, it's the same old uh, Bulls. It's the same old same Bulls. Bulls. Now, do I think the Bucks will beat the Celtics? No, I have Celtics in six. Um, the Celtics just look like the best team in the East. I know the Heat are number one seed, but what they did to dismantle the Nets to just to just take away Kevin Durant's best games, like what yeah. he does on the court, how he just yeah. faces, how he uses his size. He's not the strongest, but he can create that separation with his little. They took him out. Defensive play of the year, Marcus Smart was there for a reason. So here's he the thing him. about here's the thing about the defense on on Durant. The thing that's not really getting talked about a lot is 
Tatum was Tatum was there. The Tatum, best two way defender right now in the league. Best two way defender right now in the playoffs. He's the best. That's I just mean, Tatum. I mean, it's can't, I can't name anybody right now. No, no. I mean, it's Giannis. But. Giannis is a trailer though. Giannis doesn't play on ball. He kind of is the best help defensive guy. Uh, I mean, it's Giannis. And in a two way, Giannis can't shoot like Tatum can shoot. No, Giannis, Giannis cannot shoot like Tatum can shoot. But Giannis can Giannis can finish better than Tatum. I don't know. Giannis just didn't watch, KD like just, KD, like Tatum stop KD. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, and and. And I'm good, I'm getting to that. Tatum was able to rise and contest KD without fouling straight up, and was able to even block some of those shots. Very rarely does Durant get blocked on jump shots, and he was getting blocked on jump shots. So is there an underlying issue that we don't know about? He he looked pretty much not the same, but like he looked the, the same physically. Like it doesn't look like he was hurt, the way like he was limping. Um, the thing that this series kind of flipped on was. You know, Kyrie, Kyrie played well those first two games in Boston. You know what I'm saying? KD, if KD plays a little bit better in Boston, they probably split in Boston, right? But the fact that Boston, you know, you know, with the Tatum, uh, the Tatum game winner in game was that game one? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I I can I kept telling people I thought that pass was going to Derek White in the corner. And Tatum just happened to intercept it and laid it up, right? But let's say let's say Brooklyn gets a, a split. I think the dynamic of this series changes. That didn't happen, whatever the case may be. But Tatum played straight. Tatum played great defense on Durant. But it wasn't just Tatum. They got contributions from from Al Horford, from Grant Williams, Robert Williams. Yeah, man, that's that's. that's they weird. were able to exploit. Brooklyn's deep, Brooklyn's biggest weakness, which was interior, you know, interior presence. Drummond's only one guy. Claxton's only one guy. But you know, when you got three, four, five guys that you know, Boston could throw a lineup of Horford, Williams, Horford, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Tatum Brown, or whatever the case may be. You still got shooters, you and you got people in the interior. You, know, you got three guys banging with, you know, a, a very small like Brooklyn plays best when they're small. You know, so you got to have a real big lineup that can move versus a small lineup. You know, that big lineup is going to take advantage of some of these matchups, especially if Brooklyn can't get out of transition and run like they want to, especially versus that Boston team because they can, they can, they play very good defense, like excellent defense. No, they're, they're number one defense in the league, I believe. So, number two, number two but it's, them, them and Dallas kind of, they're right there. But yeah, they're, they're, Dallas, the, yeah. they're the teams on defense, right? But Boston is able to, Slow the game down on defense, and that's a very hard thing to do. A lot of teams slow the ball down on offense, like Miami. Miami is a good defensive team, but they're not like the upper echelon elite defensive team, but they slow that pace down. You know what I'm saying? A lot of their games are very slow. Boston can run. They can. They choose not to sometimes, but they can run. But they lock you down on defense and make you earn every shot. But – Good. It's just that um, what, you, what you've all been saying, it comes down to the drama of the Nets and Steve Nash coaching. Everything you just mentioned, adjustments, how they play the defense, play con Chris, you, you, you said it without saying, but that's, that goes to a credit to Steve Nash. I know the drama of this Nets team really hurt them too. The Kyrie didn't play. He's the king of PTO. Ben Simmons, runner-up, PTO. We have so much drama. Ben was going to play game four. He's not playing it. He announced it on game three. That he didn't play because he saw the sweep coming. If he didn't, or he, his back issues coming from the mental stress, 
that is causing from his mental anguish and that mental anguish is causing his back issue. There's so much drama going on. Kevin Durant didn't do enough as a leader. Kyrie Irving talks so much about the discord between the team and now the media. He's coming out saying all this stuff about the media and everything. It's just, there's so much drama surrounding this Nets team that this, this outside noise that they let in and they're continuously letting in, which hampered them for this playoff series. And the Celtics, they, they took advantage. And I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I can potentially, I not even picture. I see the Celtics coming out of the East right now. I think they're the best team in, in the uh, Eastern Conference. The Bucks are hampered, Chris. Without Chris every, Middleton. Every I, team is hampered. Except right, for, we're getting that right Boston. now. Except for Boston, every team is hampered. The Bucks, I don't think we really have a shot without Middleton because Middleton is that that Robin, that go-to guy that when Giannis needs down the stretch to get you some buckets because he can't do it because they're locking him up defensively, which is going to happen. He's going. I know Drew can do it, but Drew's not doing it enough. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not about to say, oh, Grayson Allen and body parties don't do that. Don't nope. Stop it. Nope. Chris isn't the type to say it because he he knows. We, we all, me and him know better. Stop it. Celtics nope. is winning that in six. Yep. Speaking of the teams that are hampered, oh, man, the Sixers had a good Raptors series. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me take this one. Let me take this one. Let me take this one, please. <laughs> if I ever, ever, ever get the chance, to see Pascal Siakam in person. I want him to personally apologize to the entire city for ruining Joel Embiid's face. A, I hold him second, personally second responsible. Fracture. Second orbital fracture in his career. That's really yes. On each side. This is now the On other each side. side. It's crazy. Um, let's talk about the Embiid really fast. This injury, I don't blame Doc for it. I don't. People will blame Doc and say, why was he in with your playing? We just got up 29. It was about like five minutes. Toronto left. starters were still in the game. Toronto starters were in the game, and they had made the comeback to like 16, 17, and then we started making another run. I, I'm not mad at Doc. This is the oh. only time. And I, excuse me. I'm not mad at Glenn. This is the only time I'm going to tell him. You did a good idea. You had a good idea, and B should have subbed out after the dunk. That was a timeout sub, but, you you know, you go into transition, got hurt. I'm not blaming that. Instead, Siakam kind of like threw his elbow, whatever. Now, how does Embiid injuries fare? From what I know, they're talking about this is a two-week injury but Embiid needs surgery. That's two weeks after surgery. Embiid doesn't need surgery for this injury. There's a five-day concussion protocol. I don't know when the five-day start. I'm assuming five, the five days start. The, the, the day it's announced. The diagnosis is made. So that's Friday. So well, we're assuming it was where we knew about it Friday. We, we it could have been right after game six, which is Thursday, which makes it then five days will be Monday if we go from Thursday. Five days Tuesday if we go from Friday. I'm either one. He's missing game one. If MB comes game two, which I think he will with the mask on, he'll be out of concussion protocols that Thursday. The Sixers still have a chance to win a series. Honestly, if the Sixers sneak out game one, because we've beaten the Heat before without MB, the Sixers take game hard, one. Without MB and Harden. Hard. If the Sixers take game one, which is possible, they then have the chance to sit and be game two, which I think they will. And he plays game three at home. The first now, game back. Now, I have a different perspective. I think, they, I think he's sitting game one and two regardless. I think you lose that series. I don't think no 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 here's here's where here's where here's where it 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 is it's dependent on they need to get one in Miami. They need to get I think it has to be game one. They yeah. absolutely have to get one in Miami. Whether it's one or two, they need to get one in Miami. But even if they're down 2-0, I don't want to be down 2-0. But 2-0, and then you have two games at home. It's not over. Now it's not now. We know the old. We know we know the saying is the game's not old. The series not starting until the home team loses, right? 
is if if everything becomes chalk, if everything is chalk, even without MB, if they're able to get one without MB, I consider that a a great win. Now, whether it's one or two, I'm not sure. It's all dependent on the play of your boy Tobe, Maxi, Harden, and who apparently Charles Bassey has been resurrected. No, that's so, good because Paul Reed probably the starter and Bassey's coming off the bench. We're not playing DeAndre Jordan. He sucks. I, I think I think it needs I think you need to flip it. I think you need to start Bassey and play Reed. Either one. They Either can't. One. I'm not playing DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap at all. Hell no. Now, I might play Millsap, but I'm not playing DeAndre Millsap, okay, as I say, it's a maybe. But uh, listen, I think that's all fair when you say the, the games don't start very, very to your home team loses. But we're not thinking – I think it's that's small sighted when you think of the fact that Embiid's hampered with this injury. With and and hand, I know, I know. With the thumb. And it doesn't, he hasn't been looking great with that thumb. I mean, I, I know he – He looked he good game like, six. But that they was a little – They gave the quarters – aggressive. They gave the quarter zone shot. I'm I'm nervous about it. The Heat are gonna go at him. PJ Tucker gonna go at that hand more Jimmy than the Black. Gonna go at that hand. So I don't I, I I don't think you can go down 2-0 and say, oh, we still got a shot. You have to go one and one. You gotta split the But well, that's that's what I'm saying. They have so game one is determined. That's what I said. Game one, Chris, is what should be determined. The and if, if you say, okay, the way let's say the way they lose game one. If we lose game one by 15 and B gotta play game two. We lose game one by three. Less than 10, okay, going to game two without him being like you saying, and I'm cool with that. You get a chance to win it because you saw what you could do game one, right? You make the right adjustments, hopefully going I, I get what you're saying. You get the first, you get the first punch in, you get the first yeah, goal you without him. See MB. where you're at. You see but where you're at after that. I'm I'm saying if it's if F is at game three, Friday night in Philadelphia, if it's one one, I could would you not consider that a victory? Without MB, if it's one one, yes, that's that's great news because okay. you now have a chance to take the series, and I think the Sixers are six if we have MB in that series. Now here's now here's Ash the thing. I, I think I think he's seven, playing, I'm sorry, six and seven. I think he's playing game three. Now you think he's playing game two? I think he's playing game three. Either way, I don't think he's missing the series. No, I don't think. He's I missing. think you would have to. You would have to, like, he cannot. He would not have to be able to walk for him to not be able to play in this series. I think he's playing. I think he's on a mission. But I think this comes down to, like I said, Doc has to step up. Maxie has to step up. Harden has to step up. Tobias has to step up. Whoever the big is, if it's Reed, Millsap, or Bassey. Or, hell, if they play DeAndre, they have to step up. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about Doc here. We know DeAndre is getting some type of minutes. Okay. Let's not even kid ourselves. So now... Where does the Sixers' advantage lie? They have to. I think they. I think their entire play style is going to be different. Like, I yeah, I think they started. I didn't really didn't know who started. So, I, I, if I had to guess, it's probably. Well, Hardy, Maxi, Tobias, Hardy, Maxi, Tobias, Danny. Green, then who's the who's the five? Paul Reed. It's got to be Paul Reed or Bassey. Reed or Bassey. All right. So whatever. Even it's Reed or Bassey. And then are you really st- – you got to start Danny. You have to. You need the space. Yeah, you got to start Danny. So here's my thing, right? You start – you – I think this team is going to send up playing a lot like that Harton capella Rockets team. But you have to do. You have to. Because here's here's what I think they need to take advantage of. Bassey can move, right? He's, he's an unproven commodity. I get it. And Doc does not like – sorry, Glenn does not like to play – does not young dudes. He doesn't like young guys. But he has to take advantage of Bassey's ability to elevate and get up off the floor. And if Harden can lob him, boom, boom. I don't think that's what they're going to be expecting. You know, I mean, obviously with Coach Spo, that team kind of 
game plans for everything. But I think that's where the Sixers' advantage is, is take advantage of the unknown. The Sixers know what Bassett can give them. Sixers know what Reed can give them. Now, if they want to play hard, if they want to play a lot like the Rockets where you have, you know, if you got shooter, shooter, shooter on the wings, you know, Danny on one corner, Tobias on the other, Maxi or whoever, or if you want to flip Harden and Maxi, let Hart like make Maxi and Bassey play pick and roll, and Harden can jump play play a catch and shoot role, whatever the case may be, you can have options. But I don't think it's completely out the realm of possibility that this team can get one game without Embiid. Because I think I think we both understand he's missing at least one game. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, I, I think, think they can get a game without Embiid, but it's going to come down to this team going to have to hit every. They're going to take advantage of opportunities. They're going to play stellar defense. If Jimmy Butler continues to struggle from from shooting, like I know he had the one good game, he had like four. Yeah, no, that knee injury, I think is going to hold him back. But you, but that Miami team is hampered too. Like we didn't talk about Lowry, Jimmy, Lowry, Jimmy. Uh, 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 That's about it. That's about it. Somebody else is hurt. Oh, not hurt, but somebody else is. is. That's about it. Like the the main two, or the The main two. But obviously, there's somebody else I'm missing. But the case is, they're going to take advantage of. uh, They're going to run. They're going yeah, to have to run. We're going to have to figure out really how to stop that shooting because Victor Oladipo is now bad. They're going to, but here's here's what I think. You know, we talked about it too when we was comparing Miami and Boston. Miami's plays real slow. I think the Sixers have to play with pace. Yeah, it's gotta they got they got to take advantage of Maxi's speed and just run, 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 run. Yeah, no, it's um. I think the best kind of like game style to see them running is it because I don't I don't think Harden can be that Rockets Harden. Everybody says he can do it. I, I think now he has flashes, but I don't think it's it's not the it's, same. I don't know if his hamstring still hurting him or just the weight. But listen, this is here. Listen to the I way. Think, I, think, I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think this is what I think you could potentially do. Right, you do the as you said the similar style of the Rockets, but do a CP three Harden style with Maxi and James. James now becomes the CP three role, right? Where he'll do the 2010-2410, but Maxi's going to do the isos and straight fast breaks, hit his threes. James will set him up like Chris Paul said hard enough. And that's how you have to try to run that system now. I know there's only a couple of days to really implement that, but James knows what it was like. Even though he didn't, he might not have loved though how it ended with Chris Paul. He knows that they would win it with that system. Tell if, if, if you really want to do that, say, James, I need you to take on that CP3 Rockets role that you had. And Maxi now has to be that ISO bucket getter, the guy that's going to hit those step backs that we know he can do. You got to put up 30. He has to. You got to put up 30. And then maybe you got to squeak in that chance because it's not there's no Tobias, Chris. There's there's no Tobias in this conversation. Tobias might give us the quietest eighteen, and that's that's a puncher's chance. Maybe I'm I don't I'm Matisse just isn't there. Honestly, there's a real possibility to move off from him, and I, I hate to see it because I like Matisse a lot. But he when teams are just like we saw in the Raptors exposed when it came to them home games where teams playing. Chris Boucher impresses Chewis on him and saying, I dare you to shoot that brick. Oh, you did it? You're dumb. Like, that's what they were looking at him and saying. So, so he's got a real punter's chance. I think it has to be game one. You're saying it has to be game one or two. But then B will play the series. And B's not going out like no quitter, no punk. If he's playing with a broken or a torn fragment in his thumb, he's going to play with an orbital fracture that doesn't need surgery. Just, I mean, his face won't. He'll put that black mask on if they allow it. You know, you know how the league is. They allow him to put that black mask on. Phantom and Beat will be back. I mean, he didn't even. I mean, he tried the mask. Well, when he tried, when he had the mask, he eventually just took it off. Well, yeah, it got in his way. But that mask game he had was a forty-five piece wing dinner. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Now, Jared. Yes, yes, yes. 
Talk to me about the NFL draft. Ah, my one of my favorite times of the year. I love it. Oh, that draft was lit. Oh, one of the best drafts in the world. That's deep. This draft was deep. Um, where you want me to start, Chris? You want me to start with the Eagles? You want me to start with the who drafted the best? Um, talk, talk top, to me about top three teams. Where you want we, me to start? Talk to me about who drafted the best. Okay. Who had the best draft? Who had the best draft was the New York Jets. The New York Jets had the best draft, in my opinion. When you look at what the Jets did from the first round to day three, you talk about let's just go into – we'll just focus on the first four picks for me. Sauce Gardner. I think he's the, the elite cornerback in the draft. I think he's the best. I know Derek Stingwood ahead of him, but I think he's the best corner in the draft. Then when Garrett Wilson, at wide receiver, because trades kind of stalled out with the 49ers to get Debo, Garrett Wilson is an elite wide receiver. He's that good. It was between him or Drake London. The Falcons took Drake London. You go Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson could have potentially went higher than, than Drake London. It's a back and forth. It might be a little bit of bias to me because I'm not the biggest fan of pack receivers, Chris. You know why? But it, I like Garrett Wilson. The trade up or the trade to get Jermaine Johnson, the second edge rusher out of Florida State, that's the huge piece because now you not only got a corner, a receiver, but you literally solidified again a defensive player that can play an edge and it's going to be a vital piece. And then Brees Hall at the running back spot. For those that are fantasy keeper league guys, man, I'm sorry for Michael Carter because Brees Hall is different. He's going to come in and be the immediate impact. He might take over those number one snaps and Michael Carter might be the number two. I think the Jets also got a steal when you look at Max Mitchell at the 112th pick, this guy could come in and play right tackle immediately if they wanted him to, or he could kind of be a floater tackle, like how Dillard is now for the Eagles. He can be that. He can come in, be that kind of piece where you just like, they need to solidify the O-line a little bit. And especially if they get, um, who, who's their uh, tackle now that has been injured all season, the Jets? Makai Becton back. Makai Becton. Get Becton back. I think the Jets have a nice piece. Now, do I think the Jets are going to go and start winning games all of a sudden? No, 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 no. Maybe. Talking about, maybe, but yeah, I think I'd still beat the Dolphins, the Pats. I mean, I think the Jets now are solidifying themselves in a couple years. They'll be a very good team. But right now, I liked, I liked what I saw in that draft. And I think they had the best overall draft from a, just a drafting standpoint of what they really – they utilized their picks, draft, traded up for some other picks. Like they, I think they did a phenomenal job. Now, when you talk about – I have three, two other teams I think are really like A grades, and you know the Eagles is number two. The Philadelphia Eagles, I think, won the draft in totality. I think this is how it was his best draft in, what, 10 years of his tenure? This is his best draft. Ever. Ever. You could say ever. I like last year's draft, but, yeah, ever. His best draft. You traded up to number 13 for Jordan Davis. I thought it was going to be – I think I even texted you. I thought it was going to be Davis or Hamilton. I like the Davis pick. You kind of solidify that oh, D-line a little bit more. Now that Fletcher Cox only here for the one more year, you can now have a Hargrave, Davis, and Milton next year, Milton Williams next year. I like that. I think Davis, if he stays in shape and he comes in, that dude runs a 4.78. That's running back speed. That's from 6.7, I believe. He's tall. He's a truck. He's, He's a, a truck. You got D-lineman where he uh, – only teams that really use that right now are the Eagles when Jonathan Gannon's new system. That's the kind of the system we play now. He's going to fit us perfectly. I like the pick. And you had to do it because the, the Ravens were going to take him. <laughs> Almost every Raven tweeted out saying, wow, the Eagles have snatched our pick. They were going to get him. Then what do we do with the 18th pick? We make the move of the year by trading for 
Jalen Hurts' best friend and A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts probably was recruiting him all season. We were talking back and forth about how it, it's not going to happen. The Titans, no way the Titans move off A.J. They're going to pay him. They didn't pay him. We didn't get Calvin Ridley. So what do we do? We got A.J. Brown, who I think is going to be a better fit because it now not only opens the field for Devonta Smith, but it, this is a guy that already has a very good chemistry with Hurts. And this is what you needed for Hurts. You need a guy that can just come in and it can be immediate packets to help showcase Hurts. There's a lot of pressure on Hurts now. It's a lot because we still have two first next year that could be used for a QB. But Now, here, here's my thing with, with Hurts. And I think that just kind of looking at him, right? And I've said this, I've said this plenty of times. I've, you know, I think that they need to use him more so how New Orleans used Breeze at the end. Quick passes, short passes. You don't need to throw, you don't need to throw deep all the time. Now he can throw it deep, but he doesn't need to be throwing the ball deep five, six, seven times a, a game. You know what I'm saying? Short the intermediate passes, passes, a lot of the ball, a lot of RPO. That's why I think they're they're going to excel in. Jared, a team that you didn't mention, I think had a great draft with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You go out and you get Kenny Pickett. Now, not, not a lot of people want it, Willis and Pickett or whatever. I think Pickett is better, is a better fit for that team. You know, he doesn't have, he ain't gotta go far. He's already there with the pick, plays on that field, you know, knows kind of the 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 what's the word for? He knows kind of the the feel of the field, he knows how to play the game, whatever the case may be. They also went and got George Pickens. I like him. I like him. I like that move. You know, you get that you get that move with him. They also went and got uh from Marvin Memphis. from Texas AM. They got they got they got the Marvin Lil, they got Calvin, Calvin, Calvin Austin. Austin. Yeah, Calvin no. Austin. Yeah, so no, you, that, that's a deep – they, they did a so, good job. So you bolster your wide receiver core with, with you know, you got the guys that are still there. You still got Washington. You still got uh, Claypool. I think they got pieces. Najee Harris, I think that the Steelers are very underrated coming into this year, and I think that's where Mike Tomlin really wants them, underrated, off the radar. I think that's going to be very good. The Detroit so, Lions – I agree. I uh, agree. It's, it's, you, you, you named the team where I'm like, you, you got to have a top three, right? A top three team that you think did the best. And it was hard for me to say, okay, Giants, Steelers, Eagles, Jets, Ravens. Those are my five. Who would you do the three? I think the Eagles won it because of the, you know, N'Kobe Dean steal. Oh, it was a steal. Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. That's Jason Kelly's replacement. And like, then there's no uh, bias for me, but that's like, you got so many guys that shouldn't have been there at your yeah. pick. But you another, another team that, that, that I don't think you mentioned was Detroit. Got Aiden Hutchinson. Got Jamison Williams. You know, and you put him, you know, whenever he gets healthy, you put him with, with St. Brown. You you know, you got Goff. Whether or not you keep Goff long term, whatever, but you get you gave him adequate pieces. You put him with uh with uh DeAndre Swift. That offense can be can be electric. You still got TJ Hawkinson. You kind of shore up some of these things around Detroit, especially if Green Bay is kind of taking a step back and Minnesota's not really progressing as well as we think. And Chicago might be on the rise, but you know they're not there yet. Maybe Detroit wants to kind of sneak and make some noise in the NFC North. I think they made it. I think they had a good draft as well. But Jared, on the flip side, you talk about teams that really didn't have a. Oh, another team that had a good draft. I, I really hate mentioning them in any type of positive light with the Giants. I think. No, yeah, that's why they're picks, in my top five. They're I think the Giants, their first two picks, had a very good draft with Thibodeau and Neal. You know, a lot of people were saying like, "Oh, they don't need offensive line help." Yeah, I see the Giants. They need offensive line help. And they had no pass rush. And you put Thibodeau with uh, Leonard Williams, and they 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 got something there in, in New York. They got a new regime. 
the pressure, the same pressure we talk about Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones is under so much more pressure. And Baker Mayfield still kind of lingering out there. You don't know where he's going to go. The Giants could be a sneaky pick for Baker Mayfield. The more I think about it, the, I mean, like, you know, they kind of looking at Daniel Jones like, yo, what's uh, what's going on here? But Jared, you know, the Giants, Chris, you, besides the Wandell Robinson pick, which I think was a reach, and phenomenal draft, and I hate giving NFC teams, NFC East teams, like that kind of leeway, but that was a very good draft for them. As a new GM coming in, he made the right picks. Another team I, I want to mention, them, now I'm thinking about it. another team that had a good draft, Kansas City, went and got Trent McDuffie. Yeah, that's a great draft for them. They, man, they had a, they had a team good that had to like make some moves. Sky Moore. You know? Yeah, like they had to get guys that are just going to come in and make immediate impacts. They did what they had to do. They got a starting corner, starting edge, maybe a kind of freeway tackles here and there. Like they did, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. You asked me who I thought had the worst draft. Well, yes, that ain't hard to say. I'm gonna tell you now. It was the Dallas Cowboys. They stunk up the joint. I don't know if they just weren't ill-equipped if they weren't prepared for this draft. It got better in day two, thankfully. But day one, that Tyler Smith pick, I think it, it just it, it wasn't it. I mean, you're you're banking on his potential, but this is a guy that most penalties I've seen in college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Um, you look at how they kind of went Sam Williams defensive end from Ole Miss and Jalen Tolbert and their number two, their second round picks. I like those a lot. But then you kind of go down to a little bit of the bottom where they took Deron Bland, Damon Clark, John Ray. Like, these are guys that are like, okay. You're taking now commodity picks where you're not trying to get like potentially picks like where who can be impact players into the training camp where who could really develop. You just took guys that are like all right, let's get a commodity pick here. We can maybe get them years down the line. But the Dallas Dallas don't have years down the line when it comes to what they need now. Mm-hmm. They moved off of their star receiver. They have their second best receiver is coming off a torn ACL. This is one of the drafts where I'm like, okay, I wouldn't be mad if they had traded up. If they had taken a, a pickings, if they tried to get a trail on Burks, this wouldn't have been a, a draft that a man. They want to kind of like went after a little bit more cornerback death because we know that Diggs is good, but he's not a lockdown corner. That dude's a ball hawk. He's a floater. He's a guy that is going to get you out of interceptions, but he's going to give up a lot of yards. They kind of need, you know, as of now, Dallas probably still needs safety help, Chris, and they didn't draft the safety. They didn't address that at all in this draft and there was a lot of there was good safeties in this draft so they're one of the teams that are on the bottom of my list where i'm like okay y'all could have did better the Colts um, is another team i think is on the list as well the Colts did not have a great draft new england a lot of athleticism but not yeah great. new england i think reached on a couple of, especially with strange and yes Colton, i think they reached um not saying they're not good picks i think straight you know their offensive line shoring up some offensive line pieces especially with strange but i think they could have uh made I think it was a reach. Now, uh, another team I think they kind of reached on some of their picks or did not have a great draft was New Orleans. Like, mm-hmm. making trade with the Eagles. It, it kind of turns out to be Olave. Uh, like, I get it. I get it. You're, you're kind of preparing for life after Michael Thomas. But I think New Orleans has a little bit more holes than just Chris Olave. Like, yeah, they get a, they get a tackle in Pen, uh, Trevor Penning. Um, so maybe they're also preparing for life after Taron Ter- Ter- uh, Armstead, but it's not really, you know, like eh, it ain't really great, you know what I'm saying? So, if I'm looking at two teams, I think kind of 
did not have a great draft. I would say New Orleans and, and New England. Yeah, I would. You could throw the Seahawks in that list too, if we're being completely honest. I know. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson trade, but it just looked like yeah. it was lackluster. Cross it, wasn't, Lucas, it, wasn't, it wasn't flashy. Yeah, Abraham Lucas, who they got in the second, and Charles Cross got in the first, should be like starting tackles because yeah. they're, they're in dire need of like a line. I like Mafe. He's definitely was a second round play. Mm-hmm. But you just look at like the competitiveness of what the Seahawks want. I know they have like they still have Ty Lockett and DK, and they're potentially going to make you know make a trade for Baker Mayfield or roll with Drew Lock. But them not even considering taking a QB in this draft, I get the concept because this QB draft wasn't great. I get the concept why, mm-hmm. but I kind of thought a Malik Willis would have been a great move for them, especially the way he was falling down the draft board. He fits that Seahawks mold where you get that deep arm threat receiver that's mobile. And then you just build on his IQ and awareness as, as with a Pete Carroll as your head coach and as the season progressor, as they did with Russell Wilson, they do the same with Willis. I think them not doing that kind of hurts the draft a little bit because they got guys where you're like, we're saving this for the year. So you kind of see how this season is going to progress with the Seahawks. Like they're kind of already showcasing you or prolonging what this draft is going to be like in a year. It's going to be a little, or the season is going to be a little rough. They not, probably aren't going to win a lot of games. And they're going to get their quarterback in the future draft, which is not a bad move. But when it comes to how deep this draft was, you could have just got a lot of better stash players than what they got. I hear you. I, I agree. I agree. So, Jared, we know we kind of, I kind of don't like the great drafts. You know, like I, I think it needs some time to kind of breathe. So we'll see how players develop, you know, see who hits and who doesn't. But uh, if you had to pick and you had you a top five and kind of had to rank, would you say who would you say had the absolute best draft? And you think that it translates going forward over the next two, three, four, five, you know, a decade down the line? Who had the best draft of this year? I think the Eagles did. If you're talking about going down the line, are you looking at longevity for the future than the Eagles? You got yourself AJ Brown in this draft and you locked him in for four years. So that's when that's you talked about that's kind of like four years in with this guy. I think Hurts is going to work out, but if he doesn't, you're going to get another QB, and you're you got you got two lockdown tough receivers immediately for your next four or five years because Devonta Smith's a rookie deal. I like the Jordan Davis pick. Cam Jurgens is going to learn a full year under Jason Kelsey, and Jurgens has that potential to be a starter now, if we're being honest. But he's going to get a full year underneath Kelsey, who's the best center I think in the NFL. Davis is going to be playing behind one of the best defensive tackles of Fudger Cox. Nicobe Dean. I think, oh, man, you look at him and the way he fell. I know they're talking about the pec injury, what, knee injuries, or whatever injury he has. I don't care if he registers for a year, Chris. Mm-hmm. That guy is the best linebacker we've drafted ever. Just ever, Chris. Like, this guy has the intangibles. He's tough. He's intellectually smart. Dude had a 3-6 coming out of college. And mm-hmm. he was a biometric engineer major. Like, that's the, – the, the kid is, is gifted. I think he he gets healthy. He might play this season. If he plays this season, I, I'm telling you now, he's taking the starting spot for somebody. That's how good I think he's going to be. And then the other two picks in Grant, Calterra, the tight end, and linebacker Kyron Johnson. Kyron Johnson is another stash pick. You're talking about for years to come. That's another guy that can be like a Josh Sweat for us. Mm-hmm. You, you develop him. He comes in. He's going to be good. The same with this tight end. He's kind of a draft pick where you're like, okay, we need to start stashing tight ends because you know how he loves his tight ends. His D line is O line. The trenches. The trenches. He loves those. He loves those guys that can either block, catch, or just do the dirty work. This is a great. This again, I mean, it's a little biased, but these the best draft for the Eagles in ten years. Like, 
non-Eagles fans look at this draft and tell me, yo, y'all had a great draft. And I'm like, the, fa- the faces they give you, you know that they know we haven't had good drafts in years. Like, that's how you just – this is one of Howie's best drafts. I got a truce with Howie right now, Chris. We got a truce. Until the season starts. I can't, I can't slander him. Can't say nothing bad about him because he, he did a great job in this draft and he's done an adequate job in the fantasy with the cap space we've had. So I would say the Eagles are the number one team that says, okay, this draft, you got guys that are going to probably be with the Eagles for years to come. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, Jared, now with episode 100, I think we need to kind of commemorate. And uh, Jared, let me ask you, of the 100 episodes that we've done on this show, what, what kind of some of the favorite, your favorite moments, you know, some of the favorite things we talked about? Greatest episode was the uh, Ben Simmons slander. Yes. Episode, what was that? Uh, doesn't, doesn't matter. There's a lot, but yeah. We've, Y'all I know. It, it might have been around the start of the 80s when he first originally wanted the trade, came out with the That was probably one of the, but we just really went in. We did trade proposals, trade talks. I told you I was out giving you hard and trade talks for the longest. I was yes. giving you Shagos Alexander moves. I was we I talked. had trades. I had trades for days. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a trade drafts guy. That was probably one of my favorites. Um, it was episode number 69. It's not yet. So Process we, of elimination. We've been we've been talking about Ben for for a, a long time. Oh man, that's it's, it's about time we stopped at this point. <laughs> I think my favorite episode. Uh, now that I'm going back, I think it was. Uh, when when Kansas City beat uh, Kansas City beat Denver, I'm sorry, Kansas City beat Cleveland in the AFC um, divisional round when Mahomes got hurt and Chad Henney came in and Chad Henney had that fourth and two, remember had that fourth and two mm-hmm. and then the RPO and, and and Kansas City went and got the first down and pretty much won the game mm-hmm. and that episode is titled A Shot of Henney. I think that's some of the greatest work I've ever done. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I think that's some of the greatest work I've done. Um, oh, wait, honestly, Chris, I got another one. What's it up? once left. That's probably yeah. again. It's, it's always the Eagles slander, but or Carson Wentz. Uh, listen, that, that was like I, we weren't just talking Eagles in there. We were talking like again the Jazz folding. So it's a typical thing for us. All Star Game stuff like that. It, it was, that was a great one for us. Um, World Screw Ups was good. <laughs> World Screw Ups was a good one. Episode number ninety six. We talked about the uh, Tyrese Halliburton trade, um, the Harden trade to the Sixers, but I, I purposely, I purposely love that that image of welcome to hell because <laughs> Sacramento is basketball hell at this point. Um, I think that was a good one. Free OBJ was the realest podcast we could have had because we really said if OB when OBJ hit the rim, the rims weren't suitable. We really called that one. Like, we yeah. talked about like how OBJ, what part OBJ played with his dad making that thing. I said, hey, his dad probably did it on his own, but OBJ probably knew about it. But he wasn't going to tell us that no. But man, once OBJ was let go, we said if he goes to the Rams, unstoppable. When when uh, episode seventy six will be will be deemed um, that big tall Australian boy, the, the socialite. Yeah, when he was out at the at the at Wimbledon or one of the tennis uh, <laughs> one of the tennis events. Him and his fiance, and uh, instead of playing, instead of doing things that basketball related, which all these years later, still not doing anything basketball related. Yeah, that's that's facts. Good times, good oh, times. Yeah. Only more episodes to come because sports never not keep us relevant. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've been we've been doing this for a hundred episodes. Our first episode. Now that I go back and look, September nineteenth, twenty nineteen. 
We come along. We've been doing this for three years. We, we came a long way. We didn't even have six hundred followers. We had like negative ten. We was people, just we was just doing it to do it. Like it was never people listening was our grandparents. <laughs> only people listening was the people in, in my direct immediate space listening to me record. But uh, I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm proud. You know, we got to do 100 more of these things. Facts. Facts. We got to get the studio soon. Hey, listen, you know. Get the, get the progressive or straight talk wireless uh, commercials coming soon. Or- listen, if y'all want to sponsor straight to the point, please feel free to reach out to us. We are very open to sponsorships and things like that. I, I got a good speaking voice. Jared does too. You know, we can definitely promote your products. We had good sponsors. We definitely have had sponsors. Mm-hmm. You know, Tasty Teas. I'm sorry, Tipsy Teas. Tipsy Teas. <laughs> Tipsy Teas. We had... We had interviews. We had Ben, Ben Sinekin, the GOAT, Bulldog Benny, Pretty Boy, you already know. Jared calls him Big Man. So, you know, there's, there's that. We had use uh, for Somebody Gotta Do It. We did that ep- that interview, episode 14. Uh, just kind of thinking about some of the episodes we've done, man. We, we've done some good stuff. Thank you to all of our guests throughout this 100-episode run. Uh, AJ, all day AJ King of CBS Sports, the GOAT, the greatest who ever did it. Guwap Nige, Nigel McKnight, our draft expert. TV76, who always bringing us in. He's come in and giving us some of his hot takes. So, you know, it, it's much appreciated. Tip of our caps to you guys, and thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. If you listen to us through Apple or through iTunes, please feel free to leave us a review. We're still a five-star rated podcast on our iTunes, so we definitely appreciate the love. Make sure you follow us on all your favorite socials at STTP Podcast. Make sure you follow me at underscore Chris Cross. Follow me at underscore JW Hughes. Definitely continue to follow the podcast. We're at 100 episodes, so now you got, we can only go up from here, right? Yeah, of course. And listen, we can't go backwards. We got to keep going forward. Um, next episode will probably be around uh, the end of the second round. We're kind of, we're gonna, we like want to kind the, of pace maybe, it. Maybe the middle or something like that. Yeah, like gonna, yeah. Four-ish. Maybe we got to see how how the how the the series lines up because we don't want to be uh, you know, caught flat footed. But you know, we're we're busy. Jared's being you know run ragged by the worldwide leader, and uh, you know we want to be <laughs> we want to be ahead of the game. So I think this is a good time and we can kind of get it out after all of the series are wrapped up. Kind of give our thoughts. Kind of preview what we're thinking for the next series. So. We'll play it by ear. We got some baseball coming up. You know, we got a long summer ahead. Off season, some trades. You know, things happen. We're gonna be around. We're gonna get some more interviews. We're definitely gonna definitely make another run. Let's do it. Let's get it. <laughs>